0: because where two people can stay, two only can be in agreement about prayer. Great things are going to happen. So let's all bow our heads for one minute, and and if I say something, repeat it to yourself or think about it. Let's be focused on this. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that the vision that you've given, House on the Rock, will be carried out in this service. We thank you, Lord, that if there's anyone here tonight that is not saved, that does not know Jesus Christ. Personally as Lord and Savior if they don't know for a surety that they're going to heaven not because of what they've done But because what Jesus has done. I pray that tonight They'll be touched by the Holy Spirit and give their hearts to you father I pray that all of us in this room need to be established We need to be built up and stronger in the Word of God that tonight. We're going to do that Lord, you're going to build us up You're going to show us the promises in the Word of God You're going to show us the things to beware of you're going to show us how to walk in life according to you Lord, if we knew we were going to die one minute from now, I guarantee you we would not be focused on anything else, and that's the way we should live. And I thank you, Father, that in this place tonight, we demonstrate the love of God, the love we have one for another, that the people feel the warmth of the Holy Spirit who's here tonight. And I pray, Father God, that in unity we pray for the demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, you showed us in the book of Acts great, mighty, wonderful works of the demonstration of your love. I pray if there's anyone here tonight that's mentally hurting, physically hurting, spiritually hurting, that tonight you touch them. In the name of Jesus, we bind everything that would come against them receiving the word of God tonight. I speak healing to every person here tonight. We bind anything that's not of God, and we loose the Holy Spirit to touch people's lives tonight. Open ears, open hearts, open minds, open eyes to receive, Lord, what you have for us tonight. And we give you honor and glory and praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Praise God. I got a couple announcements I need to make before I start. Uh, We have a membership class. I know they announce it, but people tend to listen more uh, when I'm saying it. But on the 28th is our membership class. If you've never attended that, that's from 9 to 10. And uh, we get you back in here for service. That's important. You go to that. Also, we are starting something. We've been talking about prayer. We're going to start up. We had a long time ago. We've kind of let it go, a prayer chain. And if you want to be involved in that prayer chain, let me tell you how a prayer chain works. You're going to call a number, and then that person, when you get the, give them the prayer request, we call the next number. And if that's you and that's your number, everybody's going to be assigned the next number to call. And uh, this is not a gossip line. Get it? This is not a counseling line. This is prayer. You call this. You give the person. You tell them what you need prayer for. They may pray for you right then and there. And then we call the next one. So you've got to have a whole group of people praying for you. So not only do you want people praying for you, why not get involved in it? So outside on that table, there's a thing. I want to be involved in a prayer chain. You put your name on that, your phone number. We'll take that off the table real quick so people don't you know, get your phone number. But the person that you're going to be assigned to call who's signed to call you, and I think that's going to have a great work. Amen and then Saturday's amends meeting, I will be speaking. i got a great word for the men besides some good food. Also, we do this every year. we're required to do it. Uh, we need your information to be accurate and uh, so about your you know about you It's confidential. we don't give it out, but if we're ever challenged by whoever the IRS that that you're here and that you're giving. We need to have accurate information, so that's what's called an attender registration form. Nobody's going to see that. We just put that under lock and key in our counting room there, and then we have information uh, so we, can, we know who you are, where you live, and all that other stuff. And then we're coming after you. No, I'm only kidding. And then, um, oh, yeah, and if we ever are closed, I thank you for coming out tonight. But if we're ever closed, you can go on our website, you could go on Facebook if you're on that. We also, if you're not on our text message service, uh, Judy handles that. She will text you and let you know what's going on for the service, whether having service or not. And uh, there's a form out there to fill out, put the information on. We take that off the table immediately. We put that in our records so we can have a text sent personally to you and you'll know what's going on. We do that almost every single week. What's going on that week, the message, title, who's speaking, whatever. And then if we're closing, that's the way you find out. My format, I came from a church we never closed. Never. I mean, it could be a blinding blizzard, and there was always somebody to cover, because uh, Dr. Lansman lived right down the street from the church. He was there. If there 10 people, we had service. And usually I was there, too, because I not live that far. So uh, it, usually I don't cancel a service unless it's actively snowing and or they the, the lot isn't cleared. And thank God Larry's been handling that for us, and, Thank God. Hallelujah. We've got somebody doing a good job. And so we thank him for that. And uh, so we, uh, that's how you, we let you know. Amen? Put your hands out to me. We'll come in agreement. Father, we believe in the name of Jesus that you are here tonight. I thank you, Lord, even as I speak. The Holy Spirit moves amongst us to heal, to set free, to encourage. I come against sad, bad, hurt feelings, whatever someone's feeling today That that lifts off of you right now in the name of Jesus, that, that, that your body's healed, that your mind is set free. And, Lord, we just thank you that at any moment you could be back or we could go to you, whatever, and we have that confidence. We thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. So I'll be going 100 miles an hour here. We're talking about the books of First and Second Peter. hope you've been blessed. Uh, and then we're going to do communion together as family. I hope you're coming on Sunday because we've been talking about the vision. If you don't know the vision of the church, you need to know the vision of the church. If you miss for a good reason, uh, you can listen to the service online. Find out what God is saying to us in this church for, ni- for 2018. 2018. Amen? If you have a Bible, we're going to 1 Peter chapter 2. Just do a little background here. I was thinking about this before I came out. Let's talk about Peter. I like to get myself involved in what the Bible's all about. It's not just some book. Let's go back and and live in Jesus' day. Here's Peter. They they were not the most respected people. Shepherds and fishermen were like kind of, you know, low bottom of the totem pole in terms of respect from the people. Uh, And fishing was pretty tough. It was a tough uh, uh, profession that they had. And Peter was a fisherman. And fishermen were were pretty tough. And Peter was probably one of the toughest ones. He suffered from what we call foot-in-mouth disease. He has a way to send the stupidest things, uh, and, and especially to Jesus. So Jesus shows up one day, and, you know, they just got done fishing, and they're cleaning up, and here comes this holy man. I can imagine what Peter's thinking. Who the heck does this guy think he is? And uh, he says, hey, can I borrow your boat a minute? And they this you yeah, go ahead. And they, they push offshore a little bit, and, and Jesus starts preaching. And listen, when the word of God is spoken in faith, and Jesus, believe me, he spoke the word of God, it affects you. And I can tell you, Peter was sitting there probably so convicted, because who knows what he did? He was foul-mouthed. Who knows what he did? And Jesus didn't care because he saw the guy's heart. And Peter was so convicted and that he gave his heart to the Lord. And then and I often think about this. Many of us get saved, and, and we're serving God, and then we screw up. And then we think God doesn't like us anymore, and he wants something to do with us. Well, here's Peter. Peter was like a right-hand guy. John and Peter were like, they were tight with Jesus. And Peter, you know, he's trying to, you know, every now and then curse word comes out, and you know he apologizes to Jesus, whatever. I'm kind of living with this guy's being back there with him. And then one day, oh, Lord, I'll never leave you. I'll always be there with you. And then Jesus said, well, this is what's going to happen to me. And he says, "This this can't happen to you. And Jesus says to him, get behind me, Satan. If if somebody said that to you in church, you'd probably never go back there again, right? So he's maybe he's a little offended, but he he lets it roll off his back. And then he says, I'll never leave you, Jesus. And so Jesus gets arrested. Peter's ready to fight for him, cuts the ear off of one of the high priest's servants, and Jesus heals him. And he says, put your sword away. And so Peter kind of sneaks in and follows the procession that brings Jesus back into trial. And now Peter... Starts to have second thoughts. And so he's sitting out there. Hey, aren't you one of Jesus followers? No, I never knew him. That's called denying Jesus. Three times. And, and Jesus told him, you're going to deny me. No way, no way. And then he hears that rooster crow. And everything Jesus told him happened. And it says that, and, and, and you know, in the movies, I don't know if this was true, as Jesus was going out, He makes eye contact with Peter. Can you imagine what Peter felt like? This is a guy that wrote this book. This is a guy that denied Jesus, and it says rather than Judas who went out and hung himself, Peter knew he screwed up. Have you ever screwed up in life? Even after you're born again? Right? And so Peter weeps bitterly, and he's so disgusted with himself that while they're waiting... Jesus is dead. I mean, Peter said, he's gone. He's dead. What am I going to do? He said, I'm going fishing. He goes out, and he just goes back to his normal trade. And then while they're fishing, Jesus is on the shore. And they're saying, who is that? He says, how you doing out there, boys? He just, who is that? He said, looks like Jesus. Peter doesn't waste any time. He jumps in the water, and he goes after, and he sees Jesus. And you know what? Jesus forgives him. So here's a guy that writes this book, and he's telling us it's a letter to us as believers. And so I'm going to listen to this guy, because this guy is human, close to Jesus, totally screws up, denies God, and Jesus receives him back. And he gives Peter some orders, feed my sheep, which any pastor, anybody, all of us, are to feed the word of God to people, so they can be changed. So with that in mind, Peter writes two books. First Peter, which deals with the things we deal with believers from without. Most of your suffering, most of your uh, things that challenge that we're going to face are believers are not because God gets his jollies out of making your life miserable. God gave man free will. We're kind of screwing it up, aren't we? Well, why doesn't God take care of it? Why? Because he gave us free will. I always remember a scene from a movie called Oh God. And it was John Denver. Wasn't it John Denver? And, and George Burns with the yeah. cigar was yeah. God. And, 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 and uh, John Denver says to him, how can you let, I don't understand, G- God, how you can let all this stuff, how can you stand and let all this evil stuff go on in this world? And God says, this guy who wrote the script must have been Pretty good," he said. "God says," George Burns says. "How can I sit here and watch all this go on? Here's the better way," answer. "How can I sit and watch you let this all go on? We're the ones that are running things here. Not God is hands off. Oh, believe me, He's going to get involved soon, real quick, and He's going to straighten things out. You're going to see the wrath of God, but not on the believers. And so." we see here that Peter's telling us we're going to face suffering and we're going to face persecution. We're blessed to be in this country because I met men and women of God still in ministry, and I hear the stories. I know I told this story. It's horrible. This one, they're from Pakistan, and the, 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 I guess they were Muslims. Somebody came in. They said, you are not to teach this. You are to end that church or we're going to hurt you. And they took their, they wouldn't listen. They kept preaching the gospel. They went, and they took their little child and smashed its head against a tree. And they still came to this conference, and they're still out there preaching the word of God. And we have a hard time because we don't like the seat we're in. We can't get a parking spot. You know, it's raining out. We're afraid we're going to dissolve if we go to church, whatever. I mean, I I, I, I sit around these guys, and they say, we want churches like yours. And I said, no, you don't. We want churches like yours. Well, people will walk for days to hear the gospel preached in a church. They pray to have a church. And so Peter says, you're going to have some suffering but it's going to be suffering and persecution because of what you stand for. And I think in this country we're blessed because we don't have too much persecution yet, but we're starting to see it, aren't we? People suing people because they have a nativity set in their front yard, and they're losing. I mean, This is a country, unfortunately, that seems to be turning more and more against Christians. Thank God I believe that we have somebody in the White House that supports Christianity, loves Christianity, I wish he'd keep his mouth shut a little more, but, you know, he's, we see, I know the advisors around him, Paul the white and people that love God and it. what so your political feelings, listen, God's not into politics, neither am I, all I know is God's in control, amen? So Peter writes in First Peter, the things that we're going to face, Christians, the challenges from without. So let's start, we did First Peter chapter 1, I'm not going to review, go to First Peter chapter 2. It begins with Peter telling us the five things that will stop our spiritual growth. How many want to keep growing in God? Amen? you got to grow. If you don't grow, I think about this way. As a Christian, you're going uphill. As soon as you shift into neutral, no breaks, guys, you go right back downhill. you got to keep pushing forward. It says, again, I'm reading out of King James, and I'll refer to some other translations. Wherefore, laying aside all malice, all guile, and hypocrisies and envies, and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire sincere mi- the sincere milk of the word of God that you may grow thereby." So he gives us five things that are going to oppose us, laying aside these things. First of all, lay aside malice. What's malice? A desire to inflict injury or suffering on one another. We're to lay that aside, and you say, well, I really don't want to hurt anybody. Well, if it's in your heart or in what you say, I mean, Judy and I are always correcting each other when somebody cuts us off we call them a jerk. And, you know, I don't, I, I don't want to inflict injury on them, but I may be doing that with my mouth. So i got to realize I, I, don't, I can't have this desire to inflict injury or suffering anybody else. I also have to lay aside guile. What's guile? It's insidious cunning or treachery. The New Living Translation calls it deceit. Don't be deceitful. And then he says you've got to lay aside hypocrisy, pretending to have a character or a belief or a principle that you don't have. Let's admit who we are. Don't be fake. You know, if a younger generation, they're looking for the genuine issue in Christianity. Now, I'm not going to walk around with a halo around my head, Bible in my hand, speaking in tongues, and I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm, anything wrong. I'm real. I think I'm the same person. Mike, you know me real well. I think I'm the same person here as I am anywhere else. I don't go out and curse and do stupid things. I don't try to anyway. I don't mean to. Out there, I'm the same person out there as I am here. I love God. I'm more afraid of God than anybody else. I'm afraid of God. I respect God. I love him. And I don't want to be a hypocrite. So if you're going to say something, be it. Amen? And then he says here, uh, envies. Envies, laying aside of me. That's the desire for some advantage possessed by another. There's always going to be somebody who has more than you have. There's always going to be somebody who's better off than you are. But you are probably going to be somebody who's better off than somebody else or have an advantage that somebody else doesn't have. So don't, you know, I want this and I want that. Don't, you can't be that way. Whatever God has for you, he wants to bless you. You can desire to have something better in your life. That's okay. God wants that for you, but we cannot be uh, envious of somebody else. Well, Lord, I go to church every day, and I pray, and I read my Bible. And this jerk, excuse me, doesn't do this or doesn't do that. And you seem to be blessing him. Bible's clear about that. Don't look at other people like that, because you keep doing evil. Eventually, it's going to catch up to you. Amen. And then it says, "Put away from you evil speaking." What's that? Tail-bearing, slander lies if you don't know the whole story shut up and if you do know the story shut up you don't have to pass on things about other people you know the bible says where there's no wood the fire goes out so don't let anybody call you woody because (laughs) they're thinking that can give you something that gives them satisfaction when you're talking about somebody else you're usually talking about them to make yourself feel feel better stepping on them so you can elevate yourself You know what the greatest thing you can do is just don't be a judge man get off judgment seat it's so great when you don't have to judge other people if they are what they are they are what they are all of us the bible says have sinned and fallen short of the glory of god amen so we're no better than anybody else we all get our turn in being stupid so don't criticize other people in fact the bible is very clear when i was going through some stuff i believe it's in galatians it says Those of you who are spiritual, seek to uplift and help people that have fallen, lest you fall into the same thing. Judge not, lest you be judged. That's an interesting thing, judge not, lest you be judged. In other words, if you're judging somebody for something, you're going to be judged for the same thing. Which means if you're pointing fingers about what other people have done, whether they're doing it now or did it in the past, you got those other fingers pointing back at you, you're going to get your turn to do the same stupid thing. Don't judge other people. Got it? Malice, guile, hypocrisies, envies, all evil speaking. Tail-bearing, slander, lies. I love what the New Living Translation says. So get rid of all malicious behavior and deceit. Don't pretend to be good. Be done with hypocrisy, jealousy, and backstabbing. Right? He's telling us what to do. Verse 2, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If so, be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. In chapter 1, which we studied, Peter explained about, having, about us being, having to be born again. To be born again is to say, realize, I don't know it all. I can't save myself. I need a Savior. And then what happens? You become as a newborn babe. And that, that's what a lot of people don't understand. When somebody receives Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, they're laying aside all their rationale, all they're thinking about how they think and what they need to do to go to heaven and please God. Lay it aside. In fact, we need to learn to lay a lot aside because there's three kingdoms operating at the same time, right? You all know what they are. The kingdom of darkness, that's all the evil. The kingdom of man, that's man's education, rationale. And they're thinking about how things should be. And then we got the kingdom of God. And what did Jesus say in Matthew 6, 33? Seek first the kingdom of God. Learn to live the way God lives because eventually we're all going to be in the kingdom of God if you believe Jesus Christ the Lord. I'd rather learn it here. That's why we're here. We're being trained to think like God thinks, speak like God speaks, and act like God acts, and act like God, and react like God reacts. We're learning that. We're in school. Say life Life is is school. Amen. Now, so Peter's telling us, you're a baby, and you've got to understand it. All of us are at different levels of growth as Christians. We have some babies here, and we have some adolescents here, our young, you know, little, middle-aged kids. And then we have adolescents. Adolescents know everything, right? And then you have young adults, and then you have mature adults. And maturity is a lifestyle that comes over time. It's a long, long process. Amen? And so he says, if you want to grow... As a Christian, and you need to grow as a Christian, we need to desire the sincere milk of the word. Now, remember I told you what that word sincere meant? Remember back when, there are times, Roman times, if you were a wealthy household, you had statues. When you go back, you look at Roman times, everybody had statues. And what you do do, you'd commission a sculptor to make a statue. It may be of you, it may be of a god they worship, it, be, it could be anything. And so it would take a long time. I don't know how they do it, but they, you ever see these guys when they take these stumps or logs and they're out there with change, and there's this beautiful eagle. We saw that when we went to the, the West End Fair. We saw this guy doing this. I said, man, this is incredible. But somebody takes, this, somebody takes this block of stone and they're chiseling away and they make this beautiful statue, and it's worth a lot of money. But if you hired... A, you know, God, guy that's not that good, he's chiseling away, boom, the nose comes off. Oops. Well, they, they're not going to stick it on with glue, so what they would do is they would make wax. And they'd stick it on, and they'd blend it in, and it looked great till the sun came out. And that's what the word sincere means, without wax. So we're just desired the sincere milk of the word. The, the sincere milk of the word of God is the true word of God that afflictions, sickness, disease, consequence, whatever, will not melt under the heat of affliction. When you know the word of God, it's the word of God. And it's not going to change. That's why the whole theme of this church is Matthew 7, 24. He that hears these sayings of mine and does them is like the guy who's building his house on a rock. And when the floods and the rain came, that that, that foundation's not going to wash away. And so Peter's telling us, desire, desire, the sincere milk of the word of God. Which means without any compromise of what that word of God means. The New Living Translation says, Cry out for that spiritual milk that you may grow now. That you have tasted the Lord's kindness. What's the Lord's kindness? That he saved your butt. That by his grace and mercy, he's not looking at you as the way we are. He looks at Jesus who died on a cross bearing your sin, who said, if he had to say your name, he would have said it. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. And next, up there somewhere, and I believe it says in Hebrews, what they did in the Old Testament was a type and shadow of what really is. So in heaven, there's a seat called the mercy seat. And when Jesus died, I believe he took his blood Or maybe the angels, I don't know. And they sprinkled that blood on the mercy seat, just like they did in the Old Testament. And that mercy seat forgave them for a small period of time. Jesus' blood, which we're going to celebrate tonight, the blood of Jesus Christ is the token that was the necessity that was given for the blood, not of a lamb or a goat or what turtle dove. It was the blood of the Lamb of God that sprinkled on the mercy seat. So when God looks at us, He has to look at it through Jesus. And he sees us as clean. That's why we're called the righteousness of God. And you need to hold your head up and say, I am the righteousness of God. Why? Because if you don't think you are, then you deny what Jesus has already done for you. For he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might receive the righteousness of Christ. I'm in right standing with God, and I'm thankful for that. I go to church because I'm thankful thankful for that i give because i'm thankful for that i pray because i'm thankful for that i read the word of god to find out more about it because i'm thankful for what jesus has already done for me so he says desire to sincere milk of word the sincere milk of god's word that you may what grow now transformation is what's required in all of us we need to change you can't go to heaven the way you are I mean, we're going to go because of the blood of Jesus, but we're here on this earth to be transformed into thinking like God thinks, speaking like God speaks, acting and reacting like God acts and reacts. Scripture I often quote is Romans 12, 1 and 2, where Paul says to the Christians in Rome, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a what? Living sacrifice. It was a sacrifice to come here tonight. It's a sacrifice to pray. It's a sacrifice to read the word of God. You may have to sacrifice your favorite television show. You may have to sacrifice a little sleep. You may have to sacrifice something you would rather be doing tonight than being here. It's a sacrifice. It's a living, ongoing, something you do, sacrifice. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourself a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable service. And that you not be conformed to this world. We're already conformed. By the time we receive Jesus, many of us are already conformed to the world. We think like the world thinks. We act like the world acts. We react like the world, and we speak like the world. And God says, it can't be that way. you have got to change. And so transformation is going to take place how? By renewing, it says in Romans, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed how? By the renewing of your mind. When we go to school, we renew our minds. When we go to college, we renew our minds. We are renewing our minds to what God says. Doesn't make sense to give. Well, there goes my money. No, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure pressed down, chicken together, shall men give unto your bosom. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse, says the Lord, and prove me. It's the only place in the Word of God where you can prove that God is God. Prove me now, hear it, saith the Lord, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing for you that you can't even receive. It's so much. When you give to God, it's like sowing. You don't sow one seed and get one seed back. You get multiple back. That's contrary to human thinking. Love your enemies. Contrary to human thinking. we want to slit their throats, slit their tires, kill them, because they're our enemies. And yet God says, love your enemies. Doesn't make any sense. Bless those that curse you. The next time somebody flips you the bird, or yells at you. You know what you say to them? God bless you. Or, you're good. What was that? Haga? You're so good looking. So why what, can we have a different That's from Seinfeld. I never watched Seinfeld, but Jews been watching reruns. And they wanted to come up with something different than saying, God bless you. Obviously, because they're that was such an anti-God. There's so much crap in that show. It's funny, but man, all the little things underneath that they took that's why it's called programming, right? You're being, they were being, you were being reprogrammed that this is okay. There's a lot of junk in there. No, it's fun. No, it's not. You don't understand. Everything you hear, you hear, gets down and you start to believe. Don't let me make the Fol- say the Folgers thing again, all right? So you know what I'm talking about. What you hear over and over again, you will know. Amen? I've got to come up with some new ones. All right, so he's telling the word desire, said America, The de- desire, the sincere milk of the word of God that we may change, grow. We've got to grow. Okay? Now, verse 4 explains what Christ should be to the believers, to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen, I'll explain this in a minute, but chosen of God, precious. Jesus was called this cornerstone. He is the founder, finisher of our faith he is christ he is god he's the rock of our salvation that's how we should see him the amplified bible says come to him to that living stone which men tried and threw away but which is chosen and precious in god's sight and then he says you also are lively stones or living stones are built up a spiritual house a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God by our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let me keep going. Wherefore also it is contained in the Scriptures, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he that believes on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. But unto them which are disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereto also they were appointed. What's that all mean? Peter portrays the church as a living spiritual temple with Christ as the foundation and the cornerstone. And each one of us are built on that. We build, it, we're a house. That's why God ordained the church. There is a universal church, which I used to believe. People say, where you go to church. I'm a universalist. I don't even know what that meant. What do you mean you're a universalist? Well, I believe in God, but leave me alone. Because God's in the air and the flowers and the bees and the trees. And I go outside and I worship God there. Yeah, that's easy. Because then I don't have to be around people I don't like in my church. I have to be around here, listen to a pastor that may preach something I don't agree with. Well, grow up. When well, he has us come together, because the local church is a taste of heaven we see people coming to church, going, what the heck are they doing? Where do you go to heaven and see who's there and who's not there? We're going to be su- I hear people say, well, we're going to be really surprised when we see people uh, we thought never should go to heaven in heaven. I got another side of it. We're going to be surprised when we see people we thought were going to be there and are not going to be there. Well, isn't God merciful? Listen, God doesn't condemn anybody to hell. That's why Jesus died. Because now you have a choice to choose. It's your choice. And when you stand before God, well, I did this and I did, God's going to say, that don't mean anything to me. My son died on the cross for you. You didn't even acknowledge that. You think you're going on your own merit? And Jesus is going to stand there, probably weep for you, because you just cast him off, like these people did. It's, he's the cornerstone. And other people say, yeah, he's nobody. And he became a stumbling stone. You don't want to treat Jesus like that. But that's the one thing you're going to be asked. When you stand before God, who is Jesus to you? Who was Jesus to you? Eh, I don't know. Some, some historic guy. Gone. not got God be so mean? Because he gave you the choice. So Peter betrays the church. Again, he's a living temple. Christ is the cornerstone. We're the stones. And we make up the body of Christ. This is so so many times spoken of in the New Testament that the church is the body. See, I used to believe, the church, oh, the church, you are all spiritual. I don't go to church. I don't. I go wherever I want. I do anything I want. No, because you don't answer the spiritual authority, which the word God tells us to do. You're not in one accord with anybody. You're in one accord with you. And who you pick to be in one accord with. And number three is, you, you can't be in agreement with anybody. The church brings us into unity, and that's what Peter's saying. We're built up. Christ is the head; each believer is part of the body. And this is the picture of community, which I'll be talking a lot about Sunday. Together, our individual tasks are fulfilled for the betterment of the body. What are you doing to fulfill and make better your local body? Well, I warm a seat. Well, good for you. Anybody can do that. Jesus, the cornerstone was rejected by the Jews. It was foretold in Psalm 118, verse 22. Read it. In Isaiah 8:14. he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that will make them fall. Either. What are you going to do with Jesus? Verse 9 and 10. You guys getting anything out of this? 9 and 10. Oh, this is great. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in past time you were not a people, but now you are the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. If there's one thing, when I finally found a church where they kind of agreed with what I believe, is that God's good. And, and, And the sad thing is Christians don't realize what Jesus died to make you. I'm a little old worm. I hate these songs. Hanging on to the income. No wonder I didn't want to be a Christian. People like that. Miserable. As my pastor would say, soaked in pickle juice. Miserable people. Why would you want to be like them? They're so They have such a low esteem of themselves. And yet Jesus Christ died to make you somebody on this earth. Not that we're to boast about it, but he says this. How many believe in the Bible? Then listen to what he says. This is an incredible description of who you and I are. A chosen generation. You're a chosen people. God has chosen you. You say, well, I found Jesus. Well, he really found you, and you finally accepted what he did. You're a royal priesthood. Now, what's so cool about a royal priesthood? In the priesthood Old Testament, only the priest could go into the Holy of Holies. That's where God was. In the tabernacle. He was in the Holy of Holies. In Jesus' time, even in the temple, only the high priest. And he would go in with fear and trembling. And I heard they, they had little bells on, his, so they, they, on his, his robe so they could hear him ministering in there. Because when it stopped, they knew he wasn't worthy he was struck dead. God says, don't do this. That's all. How could God be so mean? Listen, God says, don't do this. How could they be so mean to have a red light at the end of Jacob's road? How mean? Until you get hit by a semi going down 512 because you didn't bother to stop. Then you'll know why. There's a light there. God has a reason for his rules, regulations, whatever you call it. And so the the, the priesthood was the only one that had the right to go behind this curtain that was supposed to be 40 by 60 feet. That's big. And it was two to three inches thick. He would have to, go in, to uh, go in here and he would minister in the Holy of Holies. This is where the Shekinah glory was. And when Jesus died on that cross, it says that that curtain ripped from top to bottom, ripped right open. It was without seeing, without, it, it just ripped open, exposed to holy of which meant what? Everyone has the right to it, Jesus bought us the right to go before the Holy of Holies. You can do that right now. You can go tonight. Get on your face. It says, we can come boldly before the throne of grace. You've got to picture that. Go into a room and just get on your knees and see yourself in the presence of God. We have a right to do that because what Jesus has done. I'm a filthy rag, but I can go before God. Why? Because Jesus made me what? A royal priesthood. What's the priest do? A priest ministers to God on behalf of the people and ministers to the people on behalf of God. What a privilege we have. You can minister on behalf of me. Pray for me. Please, as your pastor, pray for me. You can minister on my behalf. And when I go, before, and, and then when you're before God, you're going to minister to God on my behalf and then you're going to minister to me on his behalf. How do you minister to me? You love me. You pray for me. It's twofold. That's the role of a priesthood. You're a chosen general. You're a royal priesthood, right? And then it says here, um, we're a holy nation. God sees Christians who believe in him as a holy nation. In this world, we're a holy nation. Not because of what we've done, but by the grace and mercy of God, I've been made a holy nation. And you're a peculiar people. You really are. You guys are. You're (laughs) cute. That means you're sacred and you're set apart. You don't fit into the mold here. We should be different. But not different, stupid, different. You know, I had relatives, they condemned me all the time, and they were just weird. I'm sorry. Better, they thought they were better than everybody else. Their church was the only church that was right. You know, they carried their Bibles. If you know the Bible, you're a jerk. I mean, everybody was a scum of the earth. Everybody was a gum on the bottom of God's shoe, and they were, that's a very bad attitude to have. You're saved by the grace of God, so can they be. What are we called? Ministers of reconciliation. That's all we're supposed to do. We're to reconcile people to God. How do you do that? Do you know that Jesus loves you? Do you know that he died for you? you know that he has forgiven your sin? And all you have to do is acknowledge that. And that's what's going to save you here on earth and save you. In the, and when you stand before God, is you acknowledging Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? He saved you. He died for you. That's what we're supposed to present to people. Not, you're going to hell. You're going to burn in hell. You better go to my church. And, you know, I'm counting your sins. And you got a lot. No, No, you don't do that. You don't do that. We are a holy nation, we're, we're a peculiar, set-apart people. I should think differently than the world thinks. I should speak differently than the world speaks. And I don't mean, oh, thus saith the Lord, and you know, you're know you saying thys and these and those, and God doesn't talk that way anyway. But it means you're not going to talk negative. You're not going to talk negative about yourself or other people. You're going to talk the way Jesus would talk. You're going to talk building up, encouraging, love. Your speech is going to change. See how Jesus talked. That's how we talk. I don't hear Jesus complaining, moaning, groaning, whatever. He had confidence in what the word of God says. So you are a holy nation. You're a generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and you're a peculiar people. I don't know if I let anything out. So you got to say that to yourself, who you are. Look in the mirror. That's what Jesus made you. Why? Why has he made you these things? So you can declare the praise of him who has called you out of darkness into his wonderful light or his truth. We, we're supposed to be different, but not we are different. There's got to be something about us that if we're light, we should be drawing people to Church should be a lighthouse. It should be a place of salt, which means it should make people thirsty. Look at all these idiots on a Wednesday night in that parking lot of that church. They should understand that. You know what? I heard people are being healed there. I hear people's lives are being ch- turned around. I hear they're feeding people. I hear they, they, they supported a whole bunch of families through the Salvation Army. I heard they helped build churches all around the world. That's what they should be hearing. Why? Because we're peculiar. We're different. We're different than the world. And that should draw people. Remember, we're not always what God has made us to be, he says. But you were made what God made you to be by his grace and his mercy. Amen? It's like God buying you a lifetime membership to a health club because he knows. If you have that, maybe you'll do what you're supposed to do and get in shape. Now, this is an example. You understand what I'm saying? So if he he makes you his special people, he's hoping that you do desire the sincere milk of the word of God and that you grow. He's given you right to do that. We're going to have to stop here because we're going to have to do communion. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord God, it can change us. If we hear it on a regular basis, that's why you design the church. Because when we go to church, we hear the word of God. And we can be changed by the word of God. And so we thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Now, Jesus gave us a command. This is a command. And he said, when we receive communion, to do this in remembrance of me. In other words, we're we're doing this to remember what Jesus Christ has done for us. And the Bible has a warning. It says, don't do this lightly. And don't do this if you don't believe what it stands for. You've got to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he died for you. And we're doing this to remember what he's done for us. It's not about you. It's about what he's done for you. What he's done for you. So if you're here today and you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, you may not understand what this is. this may sound pretty harsh, but the Bible says if you do this and you take it lightly, you don't understand what you're doing, you could die. That's what it says. Many of you sleep because they just took this lightly. It's cookie Kool-Aid time. It's bread and juice time. No, it's not. This represents the body of Jesus Christ. You know, the Catholic Church teaches, and they're still Christian, that this actually becomes the body of Christ. Well, if we believe it represents, and other people believe it, it is a body of Christ, you don't take this lightly. So if you've never asked Jesus to forgive you of your sin, never called upon him and said, Lord, save me, I believe you died on the cross for me. Your body was broken for me. Your blood was shed for me. Thank you, Jesus. Now's the time to ask Jesus to come into your life. Jesus, I receive you today as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me for thinking I could save myself I do this on my own. Jesus, I need you today. I make you the Lord of my life, and you're my Savior. And every day, Lord, guide me, help me. I'll pray to you, and I'll receive you today. Help me to grow in you, in Jesus' name. You believe that, now you have the right to do this.